You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome to the Experience Sikhi podcast. I'm Dilraj Singh. We begin the podcast by acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous peoples from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here and we thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. In particular, we acknowledge the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek and the Huron-Wendat. Also, just some reminders, if you guys like the podcast, please remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. You can also send us questions and feedback at podcast at experiencesickkey.com. Once again, that's podcast at experiencesickkey.com. Our guest today is Jusleen Kaur. Jusleen Kaur is a graduate student uh, at Ontario's Institute of Studies in Education and a recent graduate from University of Toronto's kinesiology program. One of her unique experiences was being part of a spirit crew during her orientation week, during her second year of studies where she got the chance to play a tournament with special Olympic athletes. She was able to connect with them and learn to appreciate the little things in life. She learned that if you're happy and genuinely mean well, that's all that matters. Her advice to young students is be as present as you can, as present as you can be with everything that you do. So without further ado, here is Jusleen Kaur. Wahiguji ka khalsa, wahiguji ki fateh. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm good. So the first dreaded question for all of our podcast guests, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? So um, right now I am in my first year of my master's program of teaching and uh, I went to University of Toronto for kinesiology, like um, Thoraj Singh said in my intro. Um Right now, I'm working two jobs, so I'm working in retail, and I'm also coaching um, soccer to one-and-a-half-year-olds to eight-year-olds. Um, <laughs> that's really fun um, and hectic, but it's it's really fun. Um, and I'm going to school, and yeah, that's basically it. Um, I Before school started, I used to box, and that's one thing that I really enjoyed doing, but because of you know, school and working, I kind of had to stop, but that's definitely something that I'm thinking of revisiting soon. So the first question that we ask most professionals or they get asked is why they chose their specific career. So why did you end up choosing teacher as your profession? So it was kind of um, something that I always knew that I wanted to do, but um, because no one ever like encouraged that um, thought process or that career to me um, I never thought I could choose it but um, I've always been um, open to different things um, as in like uh, different leadership positions where I would be teaching um, other people how to do certain things so for example if I was um, I was a an executive member of the athletic council so I would teach a lot of people how to do like score sheets or how to run games and tournaments So that was just something that I loved doing. And then in high school, we also had um, a Bangda team. And 
in grade nine, I was somebody who was teaching people in grade 12 how to do Bhangra. So it was kind of like awkward because of the age difference. But um, that was just somewhere where I learned like that sometimes when you're teaching someone something, it's not their fault if they don't get it. Because I feel like um, in our culture, a lot of times um, where if you don't get something, like it's your fault. Mm-hmm. But but I don't think that's true. And I learned that um, in grade nine, really, when I when I was teaching people, I was like, oh, maybe it's my fault. Like, maybe I need to teach it a different way. Maybe I'm not um, like meeting the person's needs or like teaching it in a way that would make sense to them mm-hmm. rather than what would make sense to me. So like that makes th- that it kind of forces you to be an empathetic person if you want to be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because you you can't teach how you learn. You kind of have to teach how that person learns. And that kind of requires you to remove yourself from who you are and kind of place yourself in who they are and kind of understand the person in front of you rather than who you think they are. So that was like my first experience of kind of um, teaching um, where it was solely me, like it was just me Mm -hmm. teaching, so yeah. A lot of people have a lot of unique experiences um, joining clubs or even teaching like you just did, but that doesn't necessarily translate into a career. Sometimes it's a hobby or a mm-hmm. passion. So did you have any reinforcement after that grade nine experience that really drilled down that you want to be a teacher? Um, so for teaching, um, like like I said before, I always knew that this is something that I wanted to do and something like that I needed to do to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I mean, um, there were so many times that when I would teach and I would be successful or unsuccessful, um, it would make me think and reflect in a different way. So for example, like I've done work where um, you're doing research in communities and kind of scanning a community and you get to know people there and you're speaking to different institutions And um, this was back in my uh, grade 12 summer and I was working in the Malvern community and I was kind of doing a community survey. So this is another type of work and this Mm -hmm. was me exploring different avenues and I absolutely did not feel fulfilled in that way. But when we were presenting the forum, when we were engaging with the community members, that was fulfilling to me. And Mm so I always knew that Maybe not teaching, but I always knew that I needed to be in a profession where there I would be able to connect with people in a meaningful way and um, be around young people because I feel like they are often the best, quote unquote, best learners <laughs> and like the mm-hmm. people that are most open to feedback. Um, and that's just something that I feel like we can all learn from uh, young people. But when it coming back to your question, um, when it comes to why I, I believe that teaching was it for me, there were many times where I would go into, for example, my coaching job and I would just not feel good that day for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And every single time I have came out of that shift or that that job, I would always, always, always come out happier. Mm-hmm. Every single time. And it was, it was me being able to like for my coaching job this is what you have to do so you have a lesson plan and then you have a theme that you have to apply to the lesson plan 
So it's like, this is you being able to be creative and you get to use your, I'm, I'm a very dramatic person. So you get to use your dramatic skills and you get to um, present this theme and this lesson plan to the athletes or the little kids in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it was always something that was so amazing to me because one, I got to be creative. Two, I got to have deep, meaningful connections with these students because sometimes they wouldn't get it. Sometimes they're not athletic. So how do I make them feel comfortable enough to just try something, mm -hmm. right? Just try. That's all I want them to do. Um, and I'm never um, pushing for them to be um, the best athlete. I want them to be better than they were in the beginning. So in, in their beginning. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of kids that I've seen grow over the year that I've coached. And that makes me feel so fulfilled because I was being because I was able to be part of that and be able like part of their ability to gain that confidence to even try something. And this applies to many different parts of their life. Like you can learn things in sport and that can translate to um, you being able to give a job interview mm -hmm. confidently. Yeah. Right. So just things like that. And it build it's little, little building blocks, like one and a half year olds, right? Like <laughs> they're so tiny, but you can see how they grow and they understand things. So um, yeah, that's one of the things. And then another one was um, when I got into this program, um, I started my placement, my first placement um, back in fall. And it was for five weeks. And same thing. Um, I would always evaluate how I felt going into the space. And I was very aware of the fact that I'm not feeling good today. And But the thing is, I this is just myself. I believe that I am not supposed to take this kind of negative energy mm -hmm. in front of them. So, like, I have to be able to talk to myself and be like, okay, hey, like, understand you're feeling this way, mm -hmm. but we need to go and um, deliver this or a lesson or we need to go be with them and we yeah. owe it to them. It's our responsibility. So, for me, I would have to do that and then go to them. And at the end of the day, I, <laughs> I remember this moment so clearly. I was walking to the bus stop to go home after my day of teaching mm -hmm. and I was smiling, like not in a weird way. It was just like a genuine, like I was happy and content mm -hmm. with my day and what I did and my connections that I made and the lessons that I did and the creativity. And I remember like, you're never ever going to have a flawless lesson plan to um, like plan to execution. It's not always going to be that way, mm -hmm. but just you being able to try and do your best um, and be present with them. And, and look at who's in front of you. Look at the humans in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, just like I feel like evaluating my feelings and emotions after um, I taught and I've never felt that. And it's it's like a, it's like almost always that this happens. Like it's almost always that I feel this way. So, yeah. It seems as though there was almost almost a natural calling for teaching towards you, which isn't always the case with professionals, but it is in this case. Mm -hmm. And it also seems like it involves a lot of patience to be working with kids that are a year and a half, just learning how to speak and walking them through all of this. This brings to mind the issue, not the issue, but like the criteria for what makes a good teacher. Mm -hmm. 
right? So if someone's considering this career, what qualities um, do you think they should have to be a successful teacher, not just a teacher? Okay, so to be a successful teacher. Um, and by success, I don't necessarily mean like landing a job, yeah, but 100%. someone who like is a good teacher, mm -hmm. enjoys teaching and is also enjoyable for their students. Yeah. Um, one thing is uh, an example uh, that I think would help this is um, coming into my master's program, I I was so focused in all of my classes mm -hmm. and I was like shocked. I was like, why is this so easy for me to focus and why is it so easy for me to understand what they're saying? Mm -hmm. um, and it's be in kinesiology, I had good teachers. So in my undergrad, I did have good teachers. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times professors in those professions, when they're there, they're really just smart people. They're just really, yeah. really intelligent people that have done a lot of research. Mm -hmm. So they don't necessarily know how to teach, right? Or they've never been taught how to teach. Like the content teaches itself. Yes, exactly. Okay. So so that part was missing. And then when I went into my master's program, what I realized, what clicked, I was like, the reason that I'm I'm paying attention and I'm understanding things is because all of these people are teachers. Hmm. right all of these professors yeah. are teachers so that's why i was able to focus and so the common things that i picked up on was their relatability so their ability to um be human in mm -hmm. front of you uh don't like don't show them that you're an absolute perfect human because yeah. nobody is mm -hmm. right um and when it comes to uh, being realistic in your expectations of people. Um, mm. I think expectations are important. There's that saying that like you're not supposed to have expectations because yeah. you're going to get disappointed. Um, I disagree with that. Like I think that you should have expectations uh, of, of your students. Of your students, yep. Okay. And I say that because if you don't, I feel like you're doing a disservice to them. Mm. Right? If you so? so if you have expectations for them, um, that is you kind of creating a background goal for them mm -hmm. so saying like i believe that you are capable of doing this yeah right so having that expectations sorry that expectation increases their competence so their their belief that i can do this mm -hmm. so in turn that increases their performance so having high expectations obviously realistic and unique to every student mm -hmm. but Having high expectations is very critical when it comes to increasing students' competence in classrooms. And this is something that's maybe a little bit easier to see in phys ed mm -hmm. because I'm able to say, oh, it's like easy. Like you say, oh, this many push-ups or you yep. say this many thing or you want them to be able to be in a, um, in a work in a team or things like that. Um, it's kind of easier to see, I guess. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to in the classroom, it might be a little bit harder to translate um, to your student. Do you ever feel like it's dangerous setting goals? Because let's say I'm in class with another one of my peers and I see that you're setting higher goals for them and my goals aren't to that standard. Like that that level of inferiority, how do you feel like that's balanced in a classroom setting or just a teaching setting? So I think it's very important to have um, personal relationships. Okay, this is this may mm -hmm. sound weird to people, but to have 
respectable personal relationships with each of your students to understand who they are, mm-hmm. right? If you don't know the person in front of you, how are you going to spend a whole semester with them yep. and try to help them do whatever subject, yep. right? So um, back to your question. Um, I think it's all in the way that you um, verbalize it or the way that you um, say it, right? You're not going to say, hey, Doraj thing, I have this goal for you. Mm-hmm. And then go over to, for example, Jasleen Gore. I'm going to be like, oh, you have this goal. I will never make that public mm-hmm. for other people, yep. right? It's not for them to know, right? Gotcha. It's, for, it's for my student and me to know, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's on you. And I understand that that kind of goes to like emotionally, it can be a lot mm-hmm. because you are interacting with many, many students on a daily basis on a daily basis and um every single one of them deserve your energy Mm -hmm. they deserve it they uh and it's your responsibility so for me um when it comes to that i think that it can be harmful if it's done in the wrong way and sometimes you know they're not going to meet their the expectations that you have for them that's okay the point was was for them to feel as though they can achieve more mm-hmm. than they may be used to or more than they've been used to. Do you ever feel like you can run out of that energy to be able to have a one-on-one relationship with every single student? Like it might be now you're in your youth years, you can run around, you enjoy the adrenaline that it brings, but that it's possible that starts running out as you get a bit older. I for sure can understand that happening and Mm -hmm. i i know that that is um something that does happen to people but at the end of the day as of like my mind right now and my understanding right now um i do think that being able to have um a balance is something that everybody i think works towards Mm -hmm. in their life but even that like knowing how i i recharge right knowing what i need to feel better Um, so I am an extrovert through and through, right. But there are times where I need to like sit down alone for a second. Like Mm -hmm. I just need to be quiet for a second. I don't need any noise. (laughs) I just need to sit down. Um, and that's something that's important to know about yourself. So reflect on who you are and what you need. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think that, um, it has to be an emotionally like taxing, uh, career, yeah. Right. It just it comes back to knowing yourself and knowing how um, what you need to mm-hmm. recharge and what you need to feel um, capable enough to go back. Um, yep. I do remember um, in my placement feeling this feeling. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel so overwhelmed because I was also doing school just for the first week. Yep. And I was also making lesson plans and I was also like researching because I don't mm-hmm. know anything, right? Yeah. So it's like there's this is a new subject so I'm kind of like researching many many articles and you're just reading and reading and reading. Mm-hmm. But this is just me trying to be the most like the best person for my um students yep. to learn from. So having that weight, it was heavy, but I know what I need. So mm-hmm. I went and I would go and eat food with my mom. And yep. I, every single day, mm-hmm. like I would sit down and eat food with my mom. I would uh, FaceTime my friends Yep. and I would talk to them mm-hmm. or I would just listen to them because, you know, like I maybe I don't want to talk or sometimes I would 
talk about my experiences and that would make mm-hmm. me feel or like feel better or i would talk about oh i am like acknowledge that you're feeling this feeling because when you ignore it it usually gets worse mm-hmm. <laughs> so then yep. so just like being able to verbalize it so n- it comes back to knowing yourself for sure interesting moving into the f- more formal parts of your training what's the process of getting getting into teachers college from undergrad so from undergrad um the way that it works is you kind of apply through um the so it depends on which university you want to go to but for oise for um the uft ontario uh institute the ontario's institute of studies and education Education. thank you so much um so for them for oise you basically have to apply through their website and um, there are three three to four there are four questions the last question is optional so you kind of have to fill out this questionnaire um, there is a chart that you have to fill out for all of your experiences that are related to teaching so um, I would suggest keeping an updated resume so that you don't have to go back and reach and kind of um, like think mm-hmm. on the spot you would already have that um and then uh, and then you also have to have a resume that has all of these experiences um in in it yep. so your your experiences definitely do count mm-hmm. um your grades do count and um just your ability to answer the questions that they're asking interesting how many teachers colleges are there in ontario is it hard to like, did you only apply to OISE or did you apply to many? So I actually, <laughs> I think I applied to many. Um, okay. I, I knew that I wanted to only go to OISE, which is mm-hmm. funny. But um, there's OISE. There is um, York as well. York was another one. Yep. Um, then there was also one in Waterloo. There was one in, um, for Trent. Then and all of them you have to apply separately through their website? There's no one place where you can apply for all of them? So for them, yes, there is. Um, okay. And so th- all of those universities, you apply through one website, but mm-hmm. OISE was the only one that you apply through a separate one. Okay. And it is because it's called a Master's of Teaching. Oh, it's not the Bachelor of Education. Exactly. Which is, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Is there, to your knowledge, is there a big difference between a Bachelor of Education and the Master of Teaching? So um, for a bit, I was confused. <laughs> I was like, why is it called a Master's of Teaching? Yeah. Or uh, why is it called that? Um, and the only difference, because I actually have been talking to um, a couple of my friends who are teachers in, in York. Mm-hmm. So they do the same things that we do. So we yep. have, for example, we have a research course where we have to conduct research on a topic. Um, and so for that course, I, I was like, wait, maybe that's why it's called the master's of teaching. And so then I asked one of my York friends and she said, no, we have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, now I'm confused as to why it's called the master's, yeah. but it's called a master's because when you, uh, become a teacher, there are categories for your, um, pay. Mm-hmm. So for, um, us, we have done our undergrad and then we have done a two year course that, or sorry, in education that makes you eligible to teach so that amount of education makes you um in the a3 category for teaching okay okay and for us to move up from a3 to a4 
you have to do fewer courses or AQs, which are called additional uh, qualifications that you can do after your degree. Mm-hmm. So you have to do three of them, I believe, to my okay. knowledge, if you have if you do the master's program versus for the other ones, I believe that you have to do more to get into the A4 category to get okay. paid more. Okay, so it's probably, so it is the structure of the program, not as much. Both of them are valuable in their own thing, but it just seems that if you go the master of teaching route, you can get that pay raise faster. Faster, that's it. That's okay. all, yeah. What is Teachers College actually like? How did it differ from your undergrad experience, which you did in kinesiology? Yes. Um, so there was a huge difference, I would feel like. Um, the first thing um, I noticed was I did like it, but it took me time to like mm. it. So Teacher's college or undergrad? Teacher's college. So undergrad was hard for me because of um, I didn't know how to study mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to um, manage my time. Because <laughs> yep. so University of Toronto downtown it would take me an hour and a half to commute there and an hour and a half back. And yep. I did that for however, like three years because COVID one year. Mm-hmm. So I did that for three years and um, I still do it. But it's like just being able to understand that, okay, when do I work best? Yep. Um, what do I need? What? F- how much food do I pack for mm-hmm. the day? So just like these little things do build your routine. Yep. So you're able to um do school properly Mm -hmm. so you're able to attend properly and focus in class so that took me about like probably a year to figure out Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay and um i remember that a lot of my classes in my first and second year um i didn't really like i like them but i wasn't really interested in all of them so Mm. when i got to my third and fourth year um i was able to pick more of my courses and that's where I found that my grades went up, my interest went up, yep. um, all of that, because I was interested in what I was actually learning. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like things like biomechanics and there was a course of a women in sport. That was my favorite course. Yep. Um, and it was just things like that where you're able to choose um, that made me focus more. So now I get to do a whole master's degree on something that I love, which is teaching. Mm-hmm. So that made it so much easier for me to um, be invested. But <laughs> when it came to the classes, um, I was kind of like, for example, one of the classes that I have to take is anti-discriminatory education. Mm-hmm. And this course to me, to me, feels like a little bit of common sense. Yeah. Or it's like, what do you mean? Why would you be discriminatory in your education? What? Exactly. Um, but it's just when I hear um, some of the people speak in my class, and this is not a diss, but I'm just saying like in general, every, like people have been raised differently. Mm-hmm. So for us to understand why you need to be bringing certain things into your classrooms, why you need to be integrating different teaching methods, why you need to be talking about different cultures, why it's relevant Mm -hmm. and why you should be invested in the culture of your school and learning the different things that the school or the cultures in your school um, do and why that helps your education or your delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of these things, like I understood the importance after 
But to me, coming in, I had like a really like weird attitude where I was like, mm-hmm. why am I learning this? Like, why? Yeah. Why are you telling me this? But it makes sense because sometimes when I hear certain things from certain people in my class, I can understand why, you know, like not everybody thinks the same way. Not everybody understands why certain or understand why certain things are important. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Is there anything that prepares someone for teacher's college or do you only know what to do once you've actually started teacher's college so um this is interesting because today actually i was working and i had this conversation with an old couple Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what prepares you for teacher's college is i believe that the most valuable thing that i was able to do for my teaching career was to do my placement okay so everything i learned was yes it was important Mm -hmm. but to understand how your school community works Mm -hmm. because it's not just you teaching you're teaching in a department that has its set like regulations and they Mm want to do certain things a certain way so if you want to bring something in you kind of have to go through all of them. You have to talk mm-hmm. as a department and then you're able to kind of implement something. Now, yes, you can do things on a smaller scale, yep. but um, you kind of have to talk to your department and it's a team thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a you thing, right? So um, there's that. And my placement was very, very valuable in the sense that I was able to understand the skill of reading the energy of my students Mm -hmm. and in that you're able to adapt your you may think that your lesson plan is the best lesson plan that you've ever done in your entire life Mm -hmm. and you go into the classroom and your kids are just not having it yeah like just they're not having it maybe it was uh maybe there was a game the day before so they were all out or Mm. like they weren't able to do stuff or maybe they're just all groggy that day or whatever Mm -hmm. it is you know maybe it's the first period okay Mm -hmm. on a monday morning yep and you're trying to teach them phys ed (laughs) they haven't even woken up yet Mm -hmm. so you kind of have to learn um patterns routines you have to kind of learn how to read energies and adapt you know, and like mm-hmm. for that to happen, you have to make sure that you remove what you want yeah. in a way. Like obviously you're going to have your uh, goals, mm-hmm. but kind of remove you and look at the people in front of you. Look at the humans in front of you. Yeah. At the end of the day, like people a lot of times um, discredit young people mm-hmm. or like they don't understand that young people actually have a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of things happening at the Mm -hmm. same time right and you have to understand that you have to Mm -hmm. right you can't isolate and be like this is your student right now in this moment right you're human they're human so you kind of have to go in with that attitude and you have to respect that and at the end of the day one thing that you have to know is you're going to teach them yes but they're going to teach you the most Mm -hmm. and so go in with an open mind because if you don't you won't be able to connect you won't be able to learn you won't be able to become better at what you're doing mm-hmm. you're now trying to become a high school phys ed teacher yes? yes do you think it's important to have an did you always want to do phys ed 
Um, or is this something that came about while you were in your kinesiology studies? So I've always been in <laughs> physical cultural spaces, whether yeah. that be, um, whether that be, for example, like Bhangra, whether that mm -hmm. be um, athletic council, whether yep. that be field hockey, mm -hmm. uh, boxing, um, even Gatka, right? Like mm -hmm. even all of that. So having physical cultural spaces where you're active, yep. right? So that was a space where I realized you can actually learn so much mm -hmm. from this space that I don't think that you would be able to get from a classroom where you're sitting yeah. down at a table and you're learning. Um, for me, I've always understood um, physical education to be a place where you're able to um, kind of explore different parts of yourself and like the opportunity. So creating an opportunity where students can explore different things, right? Yeah. They don't have to be this certain way this for, for right now. Like, so mm -hmm. for example, they can evolve, but having that space where they feel safe enough to explore different things, that's what I'm trying to create, right? In those spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always found it in phys ed. So there's mm. this saying that um, you usually end up teaching the grades or the age group that you've had the best time or experience in school. When you were in school. When you were in school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, mm. that makes sense for me because in high school um, was when I kind of was able to shape and um, understand who I was a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and I understood that I loved um, leading and I loved um, being able to allow others to lead so I could learn from them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And just it's really with sport you can teach so many skills mm -hmm. that can be translated into many, many different aspects um, of one's life. Interesting. There are now, I'd say, a lot more Punjabi Sikh teachers in the field than there were when we may have went to school. But it's still an emerging career choice. It's not necessarily the first thing parents tell their child about. You know, like we have that list of doctor, engineer, lawyer, etc. So was there any backlash from your, from your family when picking their career path? And did that impact your decision making? So um, I think the reason why um, I chose kinesiology was in the back of my head, I knew that I could use this to become a teacher if I wanted to. But hmm. okay. I could also use this as a way to maybe cover up the fact that I wanted to be a teacher and like tell my parents, hey, like I'm thinking of OT, so occupational mm -hmm. therapy. Yep. That was something that I was actually interested in, but not really wanted to do like for the rest of my life, Fair. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> I did face backlash. And I think the reason why I didn't own the fact that I wanted to be a teacher was because I knew I was going to face backlash and I didn't know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. so when it came to telling my parents like okay i've decided i think this was my second year <laughs> mm -hmm. and i just i'm like okay i decided that i want to be a teacher explosions <laughs> <laughs> it was just they were very confused because to them 
it not to their fault like i told them i said i want to be an ot i want to be yeah. an ot you know and that's why i'm doing kinesiology and they're mm -hmm. like okay so for for my parents in their head um the expectation was set yes it was set and it's like you're in the medical field like mm, that's what they yeah. thought you know like they're like okay she's in the medical field so mm -hmm. that's a check mark you're basically a doctor yep yep <laughs> so, so to go from doctor to teacher like obviously there, it's no secret that the pay is crazy different yep right the expectations are different mm -hmm. right and um so is the status exactly yep. <laughs> i was looking for the right word but yeah status just to have that um and i think we make that obviously but just it's made for you already so you made this choice and you're stepping into it so for me it was very hard um my parents were kind of upset for a bit mm -hmm. um they were <laughs> and it's okay and i understand why but i knew that at the end of the day i had to own this choice because it's what i wanted to do mm -hmm. right like yep. At the end of the day, my parents are not going to be showing up my o up at the OT office doing what I have to do, right? It's me that has to show up, Yep. right? So why not pick something that I will feel good mm -hmm. doing, right? And I will be able to do, like, I don't want to dread my career. I don't want to yep. wake up and be like, oh my God, I have to go do this. Mm -hmm. I didn't even like this. Like all of these thoughts, I don't want to have them, yep. right? So for me it was very important to be able to make that choice that decision for myself and for my younger self that wanted mm. to do this for yep. a while you know like just kind of like stand up for yourself um it was scary it was very scary but it's i just had to do it because i knew that this couldn't be something that i did for the rest of my life and then <laughs> when it came to overcoming so uh, maybe I would say like give it like a two months like they were mm -hmm. they were like mad. Mm -hmm. um, but after that, I remember one time I came back from a soccer shift, came home. Um, my mom was in the kitchen and I went in and I usually like talk to my mom about how my day went when mm -hmm. I come home, right when I come home. So I was talking, 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 and then I stopped talking and then I, I was going to leave the kitchen. And like my mom never does this. My mom <laughs> does not does not do this okay like so this moment was something that was so significant to me mm -hmm. and it was i was leaving the kitchen and as i was leaving my mom says jessine i'm like oh my god what <laughs> so i turn around and i'm like hanji and she goes you know i was not really happy that you picked teaching when you said it mm -hmm. but when i think about who you are when i think about what you like and I think about what you're good at. There's no other profession for you. Mm -hmm. And the moment my mom said that, a lot of things happened. <laughs> like, I was validated for my choice. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it helped me become confident and kind of move forward and be like, okay, now I know what to do. I know what I have to research. I know what schools I have to look at. I know. Mm -hmm. So it just like opened up a huge door for me. And like the barrier kind of was removed of like having parents support you now. Yep. Right. And it's not always that that happens mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And I understand that. And for my parents to support me was very, very um, significant and mm -hmm. important for me because of just like my relationship with them. Yep. Like I would I would want them to feel, you know, proud that mm -hmm. their daughter is a teacher. 
mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> and i always tell them i'm like i'm not someone who doesn't work hard yeah right like i'm someone who will work and work and work mm-hmm. right until i'm able to be the best at whatever i'm doing yep so they knew that about me so it for them to say like okay we get it and we understand so that was really big and in our culture i feel like even now even now um i've been like i understand that for a lot of people when i say like oh i'm doing teaching they're like oh and that oh in that oh you can tell like there's a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. but at the end of the day like they're not going to be showing up for my job exactly. so there's that you're also an alumni of the Sakya career development retreat from 2019 which yeah. would have been that same year that same time frame where you're now um handling those thoughts between going into something medical related and then teaching on the other side and trying to solidify those career decisions did the sikha retreat play any role or help you come to the decision that you wanted to be a teacher so um i think it was actually at one of the dinners mm-hmm. <laughs> that and you were sitting right across from me and i and i i had that aha moment mm-hmm and um so basically for insecure we t- i was able to talk to both a physician's assistant which is one of the other careers that i was trying to cover up my teaching with yep. um so just a physician's assistant and um myself uh, oh sorry like physician's assistant and teacher mm-hmm. so one of the lunch like one of the lunch uh networking lunches yep. we were um i was i was sitting beside a pa and I was listening to her speak and I was, I was, I asked her like, could you explain kind of like a day in your life? And like, what do you do? Um, she was explaining it and she had passion, mm-hmm. but I felt no connection to it. Yeah. Like I felt no, I was like, yes, helping people, but not in that way, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like not in, not the way that this person is doing it. I'm not saying I don't respect this person. I'm yeah. just saying I just did not connect to it them. It didn't call out to you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it did. I didn't recognize any part of me that would want to do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's concerning because yeah. now I don't yeah. know what's happening. Then the next day, no, actually, I believe it was that night. Actually, we had a networking dinner. Yep. And at the dinner, um, there was a teacher and we were talking. And I asked them, how's your day? What do you do in the day? Mm-hmm. And what do you, how is your day? What, do you, what are things that you do? Um, you know, regular questions. And they were talking. And they, they had like this, this tone in their voice mm-hmm. that I feel like I have when I talk about connection, connecting yeah. with students. Mm-hmm. They had this, that thing i recognized like what how they were speaking there was a part of me that was connected to that yeah and then that's when i went this is it mm-hmm. this is it and then there was a, there was another part that just confirmed it was um the when we got to job shadow so when we were job shadowing um i was with a uh, green benji and she is um uh, an amazing human okay also a podcast guest (laughs) so uh she's awesome and she was showing me her lesson plans 
And she was showing me the crazy amounts of creativity that went into her lesson plan. And I saw it and I got so excited because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is it. Yep. This is where I get to express that creativity. Mm-hmm. And even in the lesson plans that I'm creating now, I feel excited to do them, yeah. even though it is work, right? It's a lot of work, but just I feel excited to do them because I'm able to express my creativity yeah. and I'm able to create opportunities and spaces where students can explore. Mm. Like my job is not to tell them like this is this, this is this. Yeah. It's for them to discover it and them to find it, right? And that's maybe a controversial topic in teaching but (laughs) like for me it's more about them exploring and kind of figuring out who they are Mm -hmm. um to move forward um and so when girlie penji we were having her lunch and girlie penji was showing me her lesson plans and she was showing me um the different ways so so she kind of um was mimicking what we do in university for like grade i think it was five six like five Mm -hmm. six and I was like, this is amazing because it was disc first, it was inquiry based. So mm-hmm. they got to pick what they wanted to um, research okay. or, or kind of what they wanted their project to be on. Yeah. And then she created a whole like Google thing where she had articles that yeah. they could look at mm-hmm. and then like cr- and then saying that, oh, you're going to present this. So like that whole process, yeah. it was just so amazing for me to see. Mm-hmm. And the way that she was speaking, I was able to understand that like, okay, like this is it. Yeah. <laughs> like this is it. Yep. Um, and it was really helpful to me to have um, a sick woman in teaching. Um, and I understand that a lot of times that we go, oh, representation, representation. Mm-hmm. But it means a lot. It means a lot because it means for me that there is space for me here. Yeah. You know, and it's, (laughs) I saw it in my um, placement as well. I was a brown woman in a predominantly like, um, it was like a mixed cultured school, but like there were not teachers that were brown. Okay. Right. And that two women, that two in phys ed. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that was really like really weird just because it was not normal or mm-hmm. it wasn't something c- that people saw. Yeah. Was that was that weird for you or did you feel like it was being made weird by the people around you as well? So for me, even in kinesiology, you don't really see brown girls. Hmm. Like in kinesiology. Yeah. In my year. I see in the younger years now. Yeah. And I'm so happy that mm. I see them. But like in my older years, I didn't really have... Um, a leader that was a brown woman hmm. okay yeah and when i went into this classroom i remember seeing the eyes of these girls okay so i walked into the classroom and they all looked at me like oh my gosh mm-hmm. we have we have a brown and they told me this after actually yeah they were like it was so cool to see you as mm-hmm. a teacher right it was so cool to see like they said brown girl, but like they're like to see a brown girl um, teaching us phys ed. Yeah. Right. It was so cool because we were able to, they even said this, they said that they felt that they were able to move freely and they felt like they had someone who would understand them, Hmm. you know? And, and that's big. That's really big. And that goes back to my thing about being a relatable human Mm -hmm. um, as a teacher. So, yeah. 
your mention of Gurleen Panji brings me forward a few questions. Um, are there any role models that stand out in your life that have helped you along either your career or your secure development? Gurleen Panji. <laughs> but uh, when, it, when I think of Gurleen Panji, um, there was one specific moment um, in 2019 that uh, was kind of significant. Mm-hmm. And it was around the topic of case. Okay. So in kinesiology, there are a lot of labs that we have to do, yeah. right? So for example, one of the labs that we did were um, to kind of stick electrodes onto your um, muscles mm-hmm. to see what was activated when you did a certain movement. So yeah. if you're doing a bicep curl, we would have electrodes on your biceps and we mm-hmm. would see the the activity uh on the screen and but to do that you would have to attach an electrode to you mm-hmm. and to do that you would have to shave your arm oh okay right yep. so that it could stick on properly and i was like okay like i'm not gonna do that like because mm-hmm. what that was like the beginning of me you know like keeping them and yep. then now i texted green benji this and i'm like it's getting so hard because even for example the clothing that you're wearing in phys ed mm-hmm. right yep so it's different but she mentioned something to me and it kind of just helped me throughout my years. This is something she said in first year. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you're only going to be doing this for what? Three more years. Like you're only going to be doing your labs for three more years. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, you don't have to be the participant. Yeah. I was like, wait, you have a point there. <laughs> it's just sometimes you catastrophize in your head. And you make yeah. it way more complicated than it really is, mm-hmm. right? And you think that it's way beyond you. Yeah. But it's not. It's really mm-hmm. not. You know, like simplify it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, like one thing at a time. And it's okay. Like it's okay if you fumble. It's okay if you like don't always get it. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is like you should have your goal. Yeah. And you should just move towards it. So Gurleen Penji was huge for me in that way mm-hmm. because just it was just one example. It was just yeah. one thing. But it was just to show me like, okay, like it's okay that if it feels hard right now, mm-hmm. right? It just feels hard right now, right? Like yeah. with time, you'll learn how to adapt yourself and your mind and your abilities to align with your path or mm-hmm. align with what you want. Yeah. Right. So that was just like the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then um, going back to kind of high school, um, uh, two very, very important role models for me were Miss Ireland and Miss Young. So Miss mm-hmm. Ireland, I had from grade nine to grade 11. Okay. So she taught me phys ed for those. I took phys ed all throughout, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she taught me phys ed in my grade, grade nine, 10 and 11. And then Miss Young taught me in grade 12. So these women <laughs> were so comfortable with themselves yeah. that they made it comfortable for all of the girls in their class to feel like they were able to be who they are. Mm-hmm. So we, right now, um, physical education is kind of moving towards all gendered. Yes. But back then it was um, like it was binary so it was uh girls phys ed or boys phys ed mm-hmm. and so being in that space i loved it i loved it i loved being so comfortable and exploring different things learning how to do different skills that you don't usually get to do because okay like 
guys are usually doing it mm-hmm. right or like boys are usually the ones who are like in inside playing the sport yeah and we watch yeah which is so it's definitely changing right now mm-hmm. but when i was yeah it's frustrating to see because you want to try it yeah. you want to see how it's like and how can you grow and get better how can you be participating in sport beyond your classroom mm-hmm. if you don't even get to do it in your classroom exactly. right so having women in my um as role models that were so comfortable being themselves and they were so open about different things that it made us feel okay to be vulnerable and speak to them about certain concerns mm-hmm. or whatever it was that was very very um important and that was i think like the first time that i encountered um a woman that cared so much about you and your development mm-hmm. you know like what do you want and let's do it yeah right and um then came miss young miss young taught us leadership in grade 12 mm-hmm. and for leadership um we went to this camp and it was an outdoor camp and it was during the winter and <laughs> it was a very emotional one because i think i was able to understand that you know like all your life you're kind of told that you're not capable or you're not able to mm-hmm. be a leader okay but there was this one activity that we had to do where my class had to vote for a leader mm-hmm. that they wanted, right? And okay. they voted for me and they voted for one other girl. Mm-hmm. And then we played the game, da, da, da. And then Miss Young pulled us to the side after, me and this other girl, mm-hmm. her name is Shritu. We, we, she pulled us to the side and she's like, do you know that this is my first year in all of my teaching that they picked two girls mm-hmm. to be their leader yeah and she's like do you understand how significant that was and i didn't really get what she was saying i mm-hmm. really didn't get it i was like okay like whatever <laughs> but now i understand and it's because of like physical cultural spaces are usually dominated by like males mm-hmm. usually right depends how you do it yeah but in general And so for her to say that, I understood um, her happiness after. Mm. Like, I understood why this was so significant after it happened. So for her to kind of recognize, like, and be like, hey, like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And, like, I see you, you know? Like, and Mm -hmm. always, always, both of these teachers had crazy amounts of compassion. Yeah. Crazy amounts. Like, you know, like, how you would walk into, if you walk into a classroom late, you're probably going to get, be like, yo, Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like, why are you late? This, that, yep. the other. Um, Miss Young would pull you to the side and be like, what, are you good? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yeah. You good? Do you need anything from me? Mm-hmm. Do you need me to do anything? What? You're not used to that. Mm-hmm. As a student, you're not-, you're not used to that. You're not used to people caring about who you are as a human. Mm-hmm. So having people like be an example where like, that's just who they were. Yeah. Right. And kind of learning from them um that that's what mattered there's this one saying <laughs> there's this one saying that may be cliche but it's so true it's people don't remember what you taught them it's it's how you made them feel that they'll mm-hmm. remember that's what yeah. they're going to remember how how they felt mm-hmm. in that classroom or in that gym yeah we're gonna divert a little bit from now the professional to the sicky aspects um you're someone who's been making strides 
in your Sikhi, is there anything you want to share that has helped you along this path so far? When it comes to um, the initial, like when it comes to the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, for me, it felt very, very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Cause I, and I didn't know what I was really, like what I really wanted. I still kind of don't, but mm-hmm. it's like, just like understanding that this is something that I need to feel I think the word would be fulfilled. Okay. Um, but this is something that I need in my life, you know? And I've always felt like a kit, like a pull mm-hmm. towards the key, always. But um, in 2019, kind of after Sikhya, that's when I was able to kind of learn more. Mm-hmm. When I was able to kind of um, find people that I was able to just talk mm-hmm. about what I was feeling, right? Um, not saying that my household was not, um, did not have, you know, like, Sikhi in it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's just, it's different when you live it every day versus when you live it on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's so much more fulfilling and it helps you so much more when it's every day mm-hmm. versus when it's Sunday. I would feel good on the Sunday. Yeah. I would feel so nice. But after that, like during the week, like what are you doing, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's that. And it's always overwhelming. And there are times where, you know, like you feel you self-sabotage yourself. I'm great at that. But self-sabotaging yourself saying that, okay, like you're not enough, mm-hmm. you know, like you've done too much that that you're not allowed to come into Sikhi, you know? Mm-hmm. But you told yourself that. Mm. That was you. Yeah. No one said you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who do that, but which is horrible. But mm-hmm. it's just you telling yourself these things. Yeah. And that's you self-sabotaging yourself and your development, mm-hmm. right? And your ability to be like okay i kind of want to learn how to do this yeah i kind of want to learn how to do this Mm -hmm. how do i do it right yeah and like being able to lean on people is huge Mm -hmm. right like coming in and finding um certain individuals in experience a key that kind of um help you understand what you're looking for so for example Mm -hmm. like um, sometimes you don't understand the feelings that you're having, but saying the feelings kind of help you um, understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like I would have conversations with my friend about, okay, like I felt this type of way, but then when I went to Maraj, like I felt better or whatever it was. Like yeah. this is a very simple one, but just like something like that. And it's like understanding why, mm-hmm. like understanding your whys. And then even your why as to why you believe in Sikhi. Why do you believe in Maharaj? Like, mm-hmm. why do you, these basic, basic things that people, well, that are, that seem basic. Yeah. But like starting there seems so big and overwhelming. But having certain people, having your sangat, having people that care about you, that want you to move forward mm-hmm. and will help you is so important. Yeah. So just always surrounding yourself with the right people. 
It's funny you mentioned that because there's um, a clip circulating right now of Genishe Sangji, and they mentioned that a lot of people will hold on to your past um, to hold you back from the future. Yeah. So if you're going to, no matter what you've done, because those are now your Pishlekaram, and the past is the past, but even if you try making positive strides, they're going to be like, you used to do this yesterday, and now you're going to do part. Yeah. Like, the, you'll have those forces pulling you back, but it just emphasizes the importance of Sangat in your life. Exactly. Um, if you were able to speak with first-year undergrad, Jocelyn, is there any advice or lesson you would give to her knowing what you know now? For first-year me, um, I know, like, I was very, like, sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, like um going through stuff which was like reasonable and like you're allowed to feel down mm-hmm. but the thing is like don't dwell you know like mm-hmm. there's there were times where i felt so comfortable being sad that yeah. i didn't want to move forward because i didn't know how to do that mm. or i was so comfortable being quote unquote depressed and i say quote unquote cuz whatever like i don't know if it was fully there but yeah you know like looking back maybe i was so just to kind of tell yourself like sit with your feelings understand them mm-hmm. but get up again like mm-hmm. get up and you have things to do like you have yeah. there's things that you need to do um to reach your goals and not your goals but like just to move forward cuz if you keep dwelling you will never be able to do certain things in your life and like serve mm-hmm. ever yeah. i think like when you dwell you hold yourself back and you do a disservice to yourself mm-hmm. and you do a disservice to your younger self yep i always say that like it's always for little 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 jesseline mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're doing this where you're pushing yourself you're trying to become better it's for them you know um when it comes to um I think that's all I have to say for this. <laughs> Moving from the past now to the future, where do you see yourself in a few years? Um, sorry, one thing that I did want to mention was mm-hmm. <laughs> for my uh, younger self, I would tell her, like, take one thing at a time. Just mm-hmm. break it down. Yep. Right? Because I was so good at catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. So good at it. And uh, then came in self-sabotage, right? So you're like, okay, there's all of these things to do. I'm never going to yeah. get it done. This, that, the other. Oh, I can't get it done. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. So all of these thoughts, it's like, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you definitely can. Yeah. Right? So just make your list, right? Break it down. Mm-hmm. Write out your feelings. Do things where it's productive. Okay? Yeah. So like, yes, you can feel sad, but like kind of write out what it is mm-hmm. and kind of allow it to pass. So, mm-hmm. um, when it came to writing out what you have to do, then break it down into, okay, I can't get all of these things done in the day. So pass it to the next day or make a schedule for yourself Mm -hmm. and then make a routine that makes it easy for you to follow that routine, that schedule that you made for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then if that gets really heavy, if that feels a lot, go one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Like, and if one day feels like a lot, go one hour at a time, one task at a time. Don't don't zoom out. That's what I always say. Mm. Like, don't zoom out. Yeah. Just like focus on the thing that's in front of you right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and do it well. Okay, do it well and do it being present. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And then move on to the next thing. Like keep it small, keep it simple. Yep. Right? Just one thing at a time. That's it. Nice. One foot in front of the other. Yes. Um, so again, where do you see yourself in five years? In five years? <laughs> um, definitely teaching. Um, definitely in a high school. And definitely serving in some way. What do you mean by that? Serving in many ways. So when it comes to serving um, people in my school community. Mm -hmm. So that could be um, fundraising for certain things, holding events where students are able to kind of um, create things that they want to um do what they want so -hmm. for example miss young this is a great example this is an awesome example she would hold like dance competitions so that um we could raise money so that we could go to a camp and we could go to this camp because not a lot of us could pay for this camp right so she would raise all of this money so that we would be able to have that opportunity to grow Mm -hmm. Right. It's so different when you're learning in a classroom in a in a gym yep. versus when you're learning in nature. Mm-hmm. So different. Yep. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows when you go outside, mm-hmm. you feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. So just like things like that, um, when it comes to serve and I say serving because that to me was Seva. Like that mm. was her that was her way of giving back. Yeah. Right. She didn't get anything out of it. She didn't yeah. <laughs> at all. So um, there's that. And then. um giving back also like to the sick community but mm-hmm. just younger people yeah right like just giving back to younger people and feeding back into them mm-hmm. so that they're able to grow and become better and it's not really about you mm-hmm. <laughs> like when it comes to that it's not really about you when it comes to serving you're there to serve so it's like for others yeah. And it's for um for them to feel able. Like that's that's my um thought when it comes to serving. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to seva, like um creating opportunities for young sick people to engage in physical cultural spaces mm-hmm. because I feel like that's something that we're missing. Like that part. You know, yeah. like like we do have um picnic days at the gordora best day yeah of course when you get trophies you know run your race participation medals. participation medals but like just making it something that's um regular like yeah right like something that where we because being physically active is so important for your life Mm -hmm. right so like incorporating this into our um so that we're able to like so that we can have maybe a program where you know it's hard to maintain sometimes Mm -hmm. um but it's important to if we don't even have it like you can't really maintain it so just like to start things like that or initiatives like that where you're where you have um spaces and you can invite sick people into them exactly right because we don't again like you don't we don't really have spaces where we're able to do these things regularly, mm-hmm. regularly, yeah. right? So there's, a, and like, think about Canada. We have winter for so long. Yep. So like being physically active then. We only have two months. 
of the year that we can actually be outside. Be outside, exactly. It's worth the investment. Yes. Even if you think about the um, the uncles and aunties at Gordo Gordora, mm-hmm. um, having even like stretches yeah. or very simple physical activities, mm-hmm. jogging yeah. in an indoor gym would make a huge difference for a lot of their health. Yes. Because it's not nice always sitting at home and then doing the same at the Gordora if there's nothing else going on. Exactly. Just sitting. So it's just like building physical literacy for all yeah. ages. That's awesome. We are approaching the end of today's episode. We like to end off every podcast with what we call the random five. So this is where I'll ask you five totally random questions just for the listeners to get to know you better. Okay. So the first one is, what is your favorite book? I actually just just finished this one. It's called, um, I think it's called When the Coffee Gets Cold. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool. It's about... Um, time travel <laughs> very cool yeah what is your favorite quote and or bonnie punkti whoa um i think the one that comes to mind like the first one that comes to mind is uh that one is pretty intense if you think about it mm-hmm. <laughs> as is all of barney sorry <laughs> No. Uh, what is one of your weird quirks? Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it? No, um, I feel like I have a lot. But one of the ones that I don't realize I'm doing is like, I'll randomly just like make a noise. Like, <laughs> it's like, even at work, like if I'm doing things and yep. I'm just like, ah. like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, if you could meet anyone in history, who would it be? Gobind Singh Ji Maharaj. Of course. That's, that's been the most standard answer that most <laughs> okay. guest gives. We'll allow it. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve right now is like, um, so I work in retail. When you go to the uh, change room or the fitting rooms, mm-hmm. do not leave your stuff inside out for the people to make right the, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that's so frustrating to me because it's like it's like basic basic things where you don't leave things inside out yep and you bring them out i don't know like to me like it's it's common sense and it's basic manners but no, i'd agree with that just like it's a little gross we've been taught better yeah um before we end off today is there anything else you want to tell our listeners do I want to tell them anything? Yes. I want to tell them that thank you for listening. But also, like, um, take time out to sit with yourself and kind of figure out um, who you are. And it starts small. Start very small. And then build yourself up. You don't have to um, figure everything out today. But, like, sit with yourself. Remove your phone for a bit. And just kind of understand who you are so that you're able to navigate this life a little bit better and easier maybe amazing so thank you so much for sharing your story here today and being so open and that ends another episode of the experience Siki podcast you've been listening to the experience Siki podcast 